Play the fucking intro. Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. Yes, it is. Thank you for joining us for episode 279. Feels like we've been in the 70s, the 270s forever. Every time I say the episode number, I keep thinking, did I just say that one last week? But <laughs> I think we are at 279, so I'm looking forward to next week and saying something else, and maybe I won't feel like I've been repeating. Yeah. That's, I wonder if that's how people felt, you know, who were in the 70s, you know, <laughs> with all the, at least speaking in terms of uh, music and all this uh, cultural uh, waves that are going on. It's like so much has been happening this decade. When is it going to end? I'm waiting <laughs> for the, I'm waiting for the year that I can, uh, you know, write down the third digit with an eight, finally. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yep. Everyone, lo- everyone loves those moments. Okay, maybe not everyone, but I really don't know why I'm even talking about it anymore. All right, we'll jump into the new music. We have a lot of new music to get to. We've got a list to get to. On this episode, we're going to be talking about a festival that happens here in Salt Lake City, Crucial Fest, with its owner, runner, proprietor, uh, Jerem. Uh, we'll have him on later in the show to talk about that. Eric attended the shows three of the four nights. It was a four-nighter mm-hmm. this time around, so we'll have more details on that Salt Lake Festival coming up. Let's get to the new music, some new music that has come out recently. We're going to start on the 20th. The Trouble Seekers released Mistake, which is a single. Striked released Logner, which is a single. We played that one recently. Uh, the Red Bastards released their self-titled LP, The Red Bastards. We're going to play something off of that on this episode. Down Not Out released self-titled EP on the 21st. Phylax, or Felax, F-I-L-A-X, released Heroes on Tough Ain't Enough Records on the 21st. Please Die, they released the 2022 teaser on the 22nd. Molotov Cockroach released self-titled Molotov Cockroach on Asteroid M Records. Exhibition released Back for More promo 2022 on Triple B Records on the 24th. Cyber Pogo released Synthetic Oi on Little Willie Records on the 25th. AVA, AVEM AVEM released Three Birds Stoned on Mom's Basement Records on the 25th. Thought Crimes released Altered Pasts on Pure Noise Records on the 26th. Missing Link released Unchained, which is a single, on the 26th. Veneria released Euro Trash on Melodic Punk Style on 26th. Scandal released a new single called Tattoos on the 26th. School Drugs released Absolution, which is an EP on the 26th. Uh, Scumback released a new full length. I know we were talking about them because they had released a single. Well, they released a full length called Sons of a Witch on the 26th. Resurger HC released... Creaser, C-R-E-C-E-R, which is a single on the 26th. Bogos released Empty Bottles on Voodoo Rhythm Records on the 26th. Eight Up Records released a compilation called I Don't Want to Hear It. Go check that out over on Eight Up Records' Bandcamp page. On the, that was on the 27th. On the 30th, Die Hipster Records released a new compilation called Kids in the Hall, Volume 4. Go check that out on their Bandcamp page. The Psychotics, and that's P-S-Y-K-O-T-I-X, Released Nil Per Mouth on Horn and Hoof Records on the 30th. Uh, backslash, backslash, less. I don't know how else to say that. 
awesome band, released a new single, just came out on the 31st, today, Negative Authority. Definitely have to get to that on an upcoming episode. Uh, I apologize for the echoing. We are in an area of my basement that got flooded and almost everything's ripped out. A lot of echo going on and I can really hear it right now. So <laughs> I apologize, but that's just what it is. Uh, continuing on, Lotion Multinational Corporation, and that's L-O-T-I-O-N, Multinational Corporation released W-A-R, War, in the digital realm on Static Shock Records. They will on the second. Hexabron is releasing Transcendence EP on Demons Run Amok on the second. Life of Crimes releasing Street Gospel on Upstate Records on the second. See Through You is releasing Hollowed Out on Upstate Records on the second. Flash will be releasing a self-titled uh, on La Vida Es Un Amus Discos on the second. CF98 is releasing This Is Fine on Melodic Punk Style on the second. Subalternos releasing Thank You England, which is a single on the sixth. Worker and Parasite will be releasing Politics, an EP of Collected Works. Looking forward to playing something else off of there uh, coming up soon. Cigar will be releasing The Visitor on the 9th. Uh, Cult Leader is going to be releasing Gather and Mourn, which is an EP, and that'll be on the 9th. Kind Eyes is releasing Cruel World on Upstate Records on the 9th. And finally, an international split LP being released on TNS Records featuring the band's Haste, that's H-A-E-S-T, Christmas, Batwolf, and Electric Frankenstein. So looking forward to checking those out. Eric, what do you have to add to the list before we get into playing some tracks? Well, I got a couple right here. On the 24th, the Seminole Washington Math Corps Giants Botch just released their first song in almost 20 years. Awesome. Yep. That song is 122, and I'm going to be playing that in just a few minutes here, actually. Uh, yeah, in the upcoming month in September, uh, Earth Crisis is still planning on releasing uh, Vegan for the Animals, but as of right now, there is no official release date. Okay. Though, I, have to, I will have to check on that because, you know, September is just around the corner. It's right. tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're listening to it right now, today. <laughs> yes. Anyway, on the 6th, Blood Clot is releasing their first single, Souls, on the Smoking Word podcast exclusively. So kind of an interesting way to, uh, you know, promote themselves. And yes, on the 9th, Cult Leader is doing their split with End. I am really excited about that. And yeah, even more so now that I just saw Cult Leader live since... Uh, since their release show of A Patient Man. That was back in uh, November of 2018. Awesome. So, yeah, four years is a long time without seeing one of the best bands to come out of Salt Lake. Yeah, That's one cool. of the best. There's <laughs> a lot of best bands that came out of Salt right? Lake. And they are one of them. Anyway, that's all I got for... Uh... Actually, no. There is one release that just came out today on the 31st, the... The noise band Less, with the two backward slashes in front of it. So, slash, slash, Less. They released a single today called Negative Authority. So, thank you, Bandcamp, for letting me know. The, at least the pages and the bands that I follow have been, uh, they've been pretty sparse with uh, new releases. So, I'm not getting as many emails as I once did. But that's okay. I still have a sort of a back catalog of bands whose music I want to... Uh, put on here 
And if it comes to that, it will come to it. But it is not this day, my friends. Today, <laughs> we're going to talk about Botch. Right. Yeah, so Botch, like I said, they are a band that formed in Washington, and they started a, They were taking the music of hardcore and really just uh, throwing it around a little bit, putting a lot of uh, stringy riffs, uh, angular rhythms, and just all these little, uh, all these weird little nuances that just made it sound different, a little more technical. It wasn't your average hardcore. It wasn't your average metal, and. What did we call it? We called it mathcore. Okay. Because you basically had to be a math whiz to count these time signatures and all these polyrhythms just to be like precise. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these were in the days before Converge just came and swooped the fucking nation. <laughs> it's like botch walked so that Converge could fly. There you go. Yep, just like the Phoenix. Yeah. For those of you who are obsessed with Jane Doe, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, Botch, they unfortunately did not have a very long lifespan. Well, in the scope of all things, you know, if you compare them to a band like Converge, Botch wasn't around very long. They were only around nine years, from 93 to uh, 2002. Is that... No, that is nine years. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nine years. Just, uh, But for a band of their caliber from when they came out, like uh, heavy... That style of heavy music in the 90s, it wasn't even liked by a lot of the people underground. (laughs) It was incredibly niche. So the fact that they lasted as long as they did, it's just a credit to their craft. And yeah, they are still, they still have a cult following. And they've been around, you know, just like, you know, we're just, uh, we're just still here. We're not doing anything um, musically for right now until... The 24th of August, they released their single, 122. And this, like I said, this is the first song they released since, the, since their last album came out in, uh, ni- in 2001. I can't remember what that was. I think it's We Are the Romans. I think so. Yeah. Let me just double check on that. Because I know the band. I know their songs. I just don't know the year in which their albums came out. And We Are the Romans, that came out in 1999. And... Okay, there was one album that came out, the, un, the Unifying Themes, but it was a redo album, and it was released in 2006. So, yeah, kind of a weird uh, release history with these guys, but the seminal album is We Are the Romans, and I mentioned this not exactly for uh, context, but also for the reason that they are re-releasing this album, and this single is going to be on it. So... Here is the little extra here's the little extra flavor you'll be getting from that classic album. Here is 122. Yeah! 
yeah, it sounds like they never missed a beat. It's like they never went away at all. Now, there is a bit of an interesting, uh, a bit of an interesting history with this song, and I just want to read a snippet from an interview with their uh, guitarist, David Knudsen. He says, During COVID, I was writing my debut solo LP, and mentally I was sick of everything in quarantine. Lots of frustration had set in at home, and I figured the best way to deal with it was to write something heavy. I had no intention of writing anything for botch, but when I was thinking of a singer to collaborate with, I thought, hey, I know the best hardcore singer to ever do it. So I hit up David, Fer- <laughs> hit up Dave Farrellin. He was super excited, and so it just kind of snowballed from there. There was never any intent or conversation about getting back together or writing. It just happened so naturally and was a great release for all of us to make it happen without any of the traditional pressure and active band faces. Cool. So there you go. Just uh, two friends getting together to uh, jam it out. And once you know it, they wrote a song and are starting a band or restarting a band. (laughs) Yep. That's how it always goes, isn't it? Right. Unless you're an industry plant. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, yep. New song from Botch. Super excited to... uh, to see them sort of coming back into the fold. We'll see what happens after this. Excellent. Well, let's get into some more new music. As I said at the top of the show, the Red Bastards, they released a new album called The Red Bastards on August 20th. They had an EP, which at least a couple of those songs were that were on that EP also made it onto the full length. Uh, if you don't remember, we played them. I think the band played on, I think was the name of the track. And it is, uh, the band is from Wales there in the UK. If you're unfamiliar with the band and missed that episode, we played them already. Well, we're going to play them again. Something else off of the LP. I want to thank Sinrig. Hopefully I'm saying that right. C-Y-N-R-I-G. C-Y-N-R-I-G. What do you think? Mm. See. Sinrig? I'm Sinrig. We're going to go with that. Sinrig? I think Kenrig? that's... I don't know. He's from Wales, uh, the band's from Wales, and I want to thank him for reaching out, uh, sharing the full length. The full length's cool. Go check it out. Uh, like I said, at least a couple of those tracks from the EP are also on the LP, but a lot of other tracks, including this one, Fatima's Nightmare. So let's get into the Red Bastards. Here we go. you 
Yes, the Red Bastards, Fatima's Nightmare. Fatima's Nightmare. You know, I'm starting to think that that name is pronounced Quinrig. Quinrig. Quinn. Actually, Kinrig. <laughs> okay. I was thinking, uh, I saw it as a W, not a Y. I don't know. I don't know how they speak in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, but between the two of us, we have several pronunciations. I am sure one of them has got to be right. Yep, it must be. Regardless, that was good. That was a good song. <laughs> right, I like the rock and roll element to it. Uh, I, I really recommend checking out the rest of that. If that's a style that you like, a sound that you like, go check out the Red Bastards. Self-titled Red Bastards just came out to 11 days ago. Was the Red Bastards a uh, 50s term that all those... Uh, all those McCarthyists really love to call those uh, commies. Could be. <laughs> you red bastards. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. That could be what it's in reference to. Uh, it's good stuff nonetheless. I like the album artwork as well. It's red, but there's also artwork that goes along with it. So, hmm, who'd have uh, thought? <laughs> <laughs> Go check it out. Uh, we're going to get into another track here. A band reached out a, a bit ago. I've got a whole bunch of stuff to get to, but since... Uh, probably mid-May, it's been slow going on a lot of things, especially doing Punkadoo Worldwide for me, so I will be getting to all of it in due time, uh, trying to have a, a studio built here, so Eric and I downgraded severely from what we were doing or where we were doing it anyway to hopefully take leaps and bounds forward here mm-hmm. uh, in the not-too-distant future, we're hoping. Yes. It's just, uh, it's temporary. Right. It's a temporary setback to an otherwise extravagant plan. <laughs> yes. Hopefully in the next uh, month, uh, probably about two months or so, but uh, over the next two months, a lot of changes coming. Point is, I am getting to those emails and the people that are reaching out on Instagram, Facebook, and so forth that have, including this one, The Elder Gods. They're from Kalamazoo in Michigan. Uh, I'm not overlooking anybody. There's only been like... Two maybe people or bands that ever reached out, and I don't even know if they were all bands, that had some just weird-ass fucking music, and Eric and I both listened to it, and we're just like, I don't know about this, man. I don't really have anything good to say. Mm. Not, not that there was bad to say. There just wasn't anything interesting or positive. So there's only been very few. That's not typically what we do. Just know that if you did, I am trying to get to them, and we will. Here we are with the Elder Gods. They reached out when this was newer. Uh, April 15th is when it came out. Intifada, I-N-T-I-F-A-D-A is the name of the EP. There's four tracks on it. You can go to their band camp, listen to them all in succession, and I think it was like five or six minutes, something like that total, or you can listen to the tracks also individualized there as well. I want to thank Michael for reaching out, sharing it with us, getting it on the radar. We're going to check out one of the tracks off of Intifada EP, and it's called Burn City. So here we go with The Elder Gods. Burn! 
just like that. Yeah. I got to say, I like that, uh, that, that tremolo riff, and it just sounds very Western to awesome. me. Like, it just sounds like uh, there should be a tumbleweed or a guy riding a horse with a 10-gallon hat. <laughs> it should just be... Like, that's the vision that comes to my mind when I hear... That's awesome. Yeah. It's not galloping or anything like that, but it just sounds... The sound. Just... <laughs> the sound reminds me of it. Awesome. Well, the Burn City... Go check out The Elder Gods. It's cool. Uh, again, it comes in the singles version, or you can listen to all four in succession. That was Burn City uh, coming at us from Kalamazoo. Eric, we're going to jump into some older, lesser-known tracks. Uh, you're taking us to Bridgewater, New Jersey. Yeah, Bridgewater, New Jersey. And it's a band that I have played twice on this show before, and this is my third time. The band is called Vision. And most recently, I talked about this band was in June earlier this year. It was episode 269, their album, uh, Watching the World Burn. Ten episodes ago, so about ten weeks ago. Yeah, ten episodes, ten weeks. And yeah, I got to bring it back to that album because there was, I had quite a bit of a a dilemma choosing which songs to properly, uh, to properly exemplify the nature of this album. You know, and if you, a bit of a recap, these guys started off as a hardcore band in New Jersey back in the 80s and throughout the 90s and into the 2000s, more uh, kind of molded themselves in the skate punk essence, much in the same way bands like uh, Seven Seconds and JFA did. <clears throat> so they released the album Watching the World Burn back in, uh, what was it, 04? Or where are you? 08. 08, yeah. And honestly, I love that release so much. I think it's their best work. And unfortunately, their singer has uh, uh, their singer passed away back in uh, 2017. And they are no more. Vision is no more. And it sucks. Anyway, so yes, I was struggling to uh, come with uh, the best songs. And I came up with uh, Now I Bleed and No Compromise. And... I realized that I made a mistake on one of them because the song I really wanted to choose was Predictable. That was the one that was the most catchy. It had the it yeah, it had the anthemic chorus that everyone could sing along to. It had that weird little uh, ska beat in the bridge part and it's just uh, it's just fun. I wanted to play that song, but you know, there was just so many going down the list. Hairs got crossed and <laughs> the song was not was not made part of that episode, but it is going to be part of this episode. And if you haven't heard that, if you haven't heard the music from that episode, well, I would say go back and listen to the episode, but really just go and listen to the album itself. Right. And if you're listening right now, here's a taste. Here's Predictable.
Yeah, you see what I mean? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's got a it's got a lot of uh, great parts on there. I had that song on repeat, and I really don't do that to just any song. So, yeah, that's my favorite song on this album, and you could, which would put it in high rankings for being my favorite song by Vision, and it probably is. I don't know. I have to listen to their other albums again. <laughs> But Vision, you were an awesome band. I really uh, wish you guys were still around so I could, like, sing that song, you know, to Dave Franklin's face. <laughs> you know, stick the mic out and let me grab it just like, I already know. Yeah. Right. But now I won't get that chance. So maybe I just have to cover that song in one of my bands. There you go. Mm-hmm. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, R.I.P. Dave Franklin, R.I.P. Vision. Your music will not be forgotten. Excellent. Well, on this episode, as with quite a few on the last episodes, I'm playing stuff coming at us from Creep Records and or Violated Records, thanks to Pat Society of currently Battalion Zoska and also uh, Violent Society. So uh, I want to thank Pat again, as I have been, for all the music that he shared with us, including this EP from Violators. It's tied to the tracks. Uh, the band formed in Chapel... And Le Frith in England way back in 1979. They released a bunch of music like from 79 through the early mid-80s, something like that. And then uh, quite a large hiatus until this came about in October 5th of 2018, which again came out on Violated Records. So go check it out. There's four tracks. I've actually played one of these on a prior episode uh, you can just go listen to the whole EP instead of going to listen to that one episode for this that one track that I'm referring to. We're going to play a different track, though, uh, from the EP on this episode. So from Violators off of Tied to the Tracks, we're going to listen to Toxic Graffiti. Thank you again to Pat. Let's check it out. <laughs>
has a very uh, bikini kill essence to it. You know, their vocalist sounds very similar to Kathleen Hanna. I, I believe, God, I can't think it's something Hill. I, my mind's drawn a blank. I should have this info. But uh, she was added on in the, for lack of a better word, like the second iteration of the band. Huh. So really cool. I like the sound. Uh, again, there's four tracks. I am not sure if the band is working on putting something else together, but you never know. Violated Records, keep an eye out there. I'm sure that's where they would be releasing if something else is due to come out because that came out around four years ago. <laughs> Sings how that was released uh, October 5th of 2018. So we're not quite at the exactly four-year mark, but getting close to four years ago when uh, Tied to the Tracks came out. Nice. Every time I hear Violated Records, it just my first thing goes to Violator. From uh, from the Spawn comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Violators, yeah. Yeah. the band. The Violators. Yes. Yeah. So all the more reason. It just makes me think of uh, you know, the movie, you know, Lake Wazamo and that fucking blue clown makeup. Right. Just peeking his head in the corner. Peekaboo, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. yeah, now I have that image uh, locked in my head with the Violators. <laughs> awesome. Well, check them out. Check out uh, Violated Records. Definitely still have a few more releases that Pat sent uh, that we're checking out, and we will all check out together on upcoming episodes. Eric, uh, we're going to do an album here in a moment. That interview with Jerem is coming up. We're going to talk about Crucial Fest, that festival that happens here and it has happened, what, 11 times is that we decided? Yeah, uh, we just had the 11th one. Yeah, the 11th one just happened here in Salt Lake. We'll get into more details about that here in a moment. But we got a few other things to do first, so let's talk about some live shows. Uh, what have you seen? What do you got to talk about? What do you got to announce? What, what's going on? Well, in basically the last six days... I have attended seven shows. <laughs> seven. Four of which, no, 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 no. Three of which were Crucial Fest. I was intending on going to all four Crucial Fest days, but the Thursday, when it started, I missed out because I landed free tickets from Slug Magazine to Elvis Costello. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, Urban... A urban crucial fest at Metro. I'm I never seen Elvis Costello before, and yeah, I'm gonna be seeing him for free. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it is kind of nice. Although I'm not doing like anything for Slug anymore, I still get the perks. Nice. <laughs> it's like I get this one guy. who's like, hey, we got some free tickets for this uh, upcoming show, and usually it's some bands I don't care about or never listen to. But Elvis Costello, I'm like. Okay, god damn it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it was a great show. Like uh, it was cool seeing Elvis. He's do you expect him to do all the hits. He's doing his uh pump it up. He's doing his radio radio. And and yeah, the audience in attendance it was mostly old people. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's kind of expected, but he's been around since the 70s, so what do you expect, right? Exactly. And he looks like Buddy Holly, so what do you expect? Not right? so much anymore, but in the day. <laughs> right. And I bought his uh, record, the the seminal Elvis Costello record, This Year's Model. You know, that's the one with all the hits on it. That's the one that really uh, made him famous. That's their, That was their big break. And, well, actually, SNL was their big break. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you all know that story from a few episodes ago. Um, 
The funny thing was about that record, it was like 50 bucks. I go, well, you know, that's a little steep. 50 bucks, damn. 50 bucks, but it was a double LP. Okay. Whereas the... Still. Now, hold on. It doesn't get... It gets better than that. Okay. One LP is the classic, This Year's Model. All right? The classic Elvis Costello album. The second LP is the same album, but it's sung in Spanish. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm like... Okay, yeah, you know what? I really want that record. I never thought I would get it, be getting it like this. Right. <laughs> this certain pressing, but fuck it, I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah, now Elvis Costello has been added to my record shelf, and I am happy for that. Awesome. Uh, anyway, yeah, the first night of Crucial Fest, I didn't get there. I didn't get to Crucial Fest first. The first show I went to was Verbal Assault at the Beehive. Oh, cool. Yep, I went there. I got to catch a Seven Daggers set. I hadn't seen them since, uh, I think, when they opened up for the Cro-Mags at Metro way back in uh, 2019. Awesome. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Cro-Mags, I Hate God, Crow Killer, and Them. And that was a pretty damn good show, if I do say so myself. Anyway, Seven Daggers, they are a very, uh, they're a different sounding type of hardcore. Actually, my friend... uh, who I went with, he told me, these guys sound a lot like Clutch. Like old school Clutch before they went all like stoner dad rock type stuff. I'm talking like... Uh, Back when I was listening to them like in the 90s, yeah. I, I've seen them uh, after their first two albums. And I think, you know, just as a lot of the other new metal that I've been talking about on the show, faded away. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and that's kind of what they sound like. I'm like, yeah, they got the groove in there. They got the sort of uh, weird rhythmic patterns and they got the... Yeah, and they have the weird riffs. I can see that. And Anthony's vocals, they sound pretty close to Neil Fallon's, so... Oh, cool. So, yeah. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I love Clutch. Well, Clutch's earliest stuff. After yeah. Blast Tyrant, they really fell off the rocks for me. I'm just like, okay, that's... It, you guys smoked way too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Life paths can change. Yeah, they really can, but... Then Insight came on, and Insight, I've talked about them on this show before. They are one of the old-school stalwarts of Salt Lake Straight Edge. They, bring, they brought the whole youth crew energy that was being submitted into the hardcore ethos by, via bands like Seven Seconds, Gorilla Biscuits, and Youth of Today. And they, were the, yeah, and they were the flag wavers of that movement for Salt Lake City ever since the late 80s. Cool. And, yeah, they're still going, but they play, like, a show a year, if even that. So <laughs> I think the last time I saw Insight, actually, I know the last time I saw Insight was when they opened for Judge way back in uh, 2018. Wow. Yeah, before Club Sound was tore down. Before they even uh, expanded the stage in that venue. That's right. how long ago it was. And that was a great show. But Insight, they put on a hell of a show. It's nice. They bring that sort of like West Coast uh, skate vibe to the whole <clears throat> to the whole uh, rugged terrain of Salt Lake City and their and the fucking frozen weather that besets upon <laughs> us five months out of the year. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of it's very refreshing and they still put on a hell of a show. Honestly, I think they stole the show that night. Awesome. Especially with their cover of Rise Above. Oh, Everyone cool. jumped up to the mic, and it was getting pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah, for as old as they are, yeah, I'm just coming right out and saying it. They're old. I know it. They know it. Everyone else knows it. <laughs> <laughs> but they still have that youthful energy, and I really love that. And then, 
And then I went outside and uh, hung out by the hung out by the dumpster with some friends of mine and cracked open some beers. Felt like I was 17 again. Awesome. <laughs> and they were like, hey, maybe we should catch some of Verbal Assault set. And so we go in and I watch Verbal Assault and honestly, they were, they were okay. <laughs> they were okay. <laughs> so just like, you know, the band is good. You know, they, they're performing very well. The singer was doing like a, it, it looked like he was doing Tai Chi half the time he was on stage. I know he was stretching, but he was doing it so often. I'm like, are you trying to meditate in the middle of this show, dude? Nice. Uh, don't be to talk shit, but honestly, it just uh, following a set like Insights, that was kind of a high bar to reach. And I was like, you know what, let's just, let's just hop on over to Metro and let's go catch Crucial Fest. And yeah, we caught the... Yeah, we caught that uh, Crucial Fest kind of late in the day, but honestly, the main band that I wanted to see there was Mismore, and that was their first time to Salt Lake. Nice. Pretty damn awesome. And Mismore, they're like, a, I call them fu- blackened funeral doom. A lot of <laughs> long chords, and then a lot of those... <laughs> the church-burning music, you know? <laughs> and it was great. It was great. Their singer, he's uh, uh, who goes by the moniker Athenar, he has this banshee wail that I have not heard anywhere else in any other uh, form of music, be it doom or black metal. It just sounds wow. like a, it's a screech. It's really intense, and I loved, I loved seeing that. I loved seeing them perform. It was a great time. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And then Saturday, my friend invited me up to uh, Lagoon as part of a uh, workers' uh, retreat. And I was like, yeah, you guys have been working hard. Let's bring you up to Lagoon. We'll provide some food, and you can bring a couple friends. Well, she brought me and another one of my friends, and we brought a ton of alcohol, and we decided to get day drunk in between uh, waiting nice. while waiting in line on the roller coasters. That's awesome. <laughs> so that, and I was only intended on staying there until 4 p.m. because I wanted to get down to Crucial Fest to see all my friends perform. Right. Well, that... 4 p.m. cap turned to 6 p.m. Nice. And then next thing I know, I'm leaving at 8 p.m. <laughs> I'm like, okay, god damn it. I'm sorry I missed you, Narc. I'm sorry I missed you, Swarmer. I'm sorry I missed you, uh, God, whoever else was playing that night. I was kind of bummed. They're bands that I've seen, but I wanted to be there and support them, you know? But it's okay. I got there in time to see Throws. I got there in time to see, uh, well, Cult Leader. Nice. I have nothing but good things to say about Cult Leader. First time I saw them was at this old venue called The Shred Shed. I w- wasn't expecting to see a show. We didn't even really see the show, but me and my friend were skateboarding down there. Walked, right. by, the, walked by Crucial Fest and just heard them opening up their song from uh, their then newly released EP, Nothing For Us Here. And we were just like, this is a type of heavy I'm not familiar with. <laughs> I think this is a game changer, and there we go. That's awesome. That was awesome seeing. Uh, it was awesome uh, seeing Cult Leader again. Get get a bit more into uh, the fan service in the upcoming interview with uh, Jerem. That's cool. Yeah, and yep. same thing with the uh, yeah, and same thing with the uh, last night there. It was a lot of the softer bands, a lot of the uh, more uh, uh, high pitched vocals, the sort of. Uh, Mid '90s style emo music. You think bands like Brand New. You think bands like uh, uh, Early Dashboard. Stuff like that. That's uh, that was the sort of vibe that was going on 
on the last night. Okay. Just sort of like a downturn from all the chaos that was ensuing the past few days. And I was welcoming that. Anyway, then on Monday, <laughs> yeah, I still got a thing. I still got a whole thing. It was Amigo the Devil and Murder by Death. Nice. And my friends and I, we got there after uh, Murder by Death had started playing. And Murder by Death, yeah, they're good musicians. They write good music. But really, I was bored as hell <laughs> at that show. Like, I don't know what it was. They were just like, I don't know. It, they just didn't seem into it. I don't know if it was the sound. I don't know if they just weren't on, weren't in the pocket that night. But I was like, yeah, the music is good. But dude, I'm I'm really here to see Amigo, <laughs> <laughs> and I did see Amigo. And oh man, apparently this was the first night that Murder by Death uh, decided to uh, let uh, Amigo close out the show because it's a co-headlining tour. Okay. And I was like, oh, buddy, I can't imagine how bad it must have been for them in the first half of this tour, because I would hate to follow Amigo. Like, that guy, oh, he stole the show. And this was the first time I saw him with him performing with his full band. Oh, that's awesome. Every other time, it's just been him and his guitar and his banjo. And that was it. But no, he had this uh, band, the Catacombs, as his backing band. And just doing electric, heavier versions of songs like Different Anymore and Dahmer Goes Hollywood. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, of course, just hearing Murder at the Bingo Hall in its full glory. And he closed out the set with that song. And I was just, I was floored. I loved it so much. It was a good time. That's awesome. I'm, I'm never disappointed with Amigo the Devil. And Danny, he's he's a hell of a front man. He's jostling with the audience. He's uh, poking fun. And he's just telling all these funny stories in between. And he's even showing songs that he wrote, like, just uh, wrote on the fly, never recorded it. And it's like, this is a song from the perspective of a Boston Terrier. It just gets really depressing, like, oh, I w I'm just waiting for my master to come home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Nice. <laughs> but that's his style. He takes something really dark and makes it funny. That's I cool. I love it. So yeah, Amigo the Devil, great show. And then you and I attended a show the night before. Yes. <laughs> yep, that was at the Beehive. That was Creeping Death and 200 Stab Wounds and Spirit World and Tribal Gaze. Right. Yep, I was there right after Tribal Gaze stopped playing and thankfully just in time to see Spirit World. Me too. I got there right at the end of Tribal Gaze, so I got to see a little bit. Yeah, and I got there, and my friend uh, was like, oh, dude, you just missed the best band of the night. I go, please don't tell me the spirit world just finished. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, Tribal Gaze, they were awesome. Oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry I missed them, but I, Spirit World was one of my main reasons for going. I mean, I love Creeping Death as well. 200 Stab Wounds, I was a party, but I've seen them before, and right. I've seen Creeping Death before, but... Spirit World, I had just recently discovered them, and I recently just started loving them, and right. now I own one of their LPs. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, and it was great. The way that they came out, they are, a, as you know, they are a band from Las Vegas, and we do know that their earlier caliber is a cowboy space punk. Yes. <laughs> or a spaceman cowpunk, or whatever they call Cosmic themselves. Cosmic cowpunk. Cosmic cowpunk, there it was. I even made a joke to their uh, singer, like, uh, 
Yeah, first you were the uh, space. First you were the space cowboys, and now you're the cowboys from hell. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because Plague Years is full of a lot of occultish shit. <laughs> oh man. And they didn't play anything from their earlier stuff. This was all new stuff from the Plague Years and the uh, uh, Moonlit Burn, or I can never remember the the last single they put out with uh, Moonlit Torture. Moonlit Torture. There yep. it was. Moonlit Torture. And and I was okay with that. And people were just going nuts during that show. I was up in the pit. I I ensued some circle pits myself, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> But the way that they came out, they looked like Vegas Cowboys. Right? They had the bedazzled blazers, the 10-gallon hats, and everything. And the boots. Oh, my God. They looked like they, looked like they were in a stage play of uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was great. You know, I love it just seeing like they were about to jump into some Hank Williams uh, cover set. But, nope. They're just bringing out that... Oh, just that brutality, that sheer ferocity that's coming from their music. And I could not be happier. Spirit World, they stole the show for me that night. Right. They were awesome. I even asked Stu uh, when we were buying merch from him after they were done performing, like, so when are you guys going to sell, sell those coats? I want one of those jackets. And he said, as soon as I could figure out how to make them affordable so people could buy them. <laughs> said, all right, I'll be ready for it when the time comes. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, you didn't stick around for the whole show, did you? No, I, I left. Uh, long story short, I had to be up pretty early in the morning, and so I called it good. So how was the rest? Well, the rest of the show, was uh, it was pretty cool. I stood in the back and watched uh, 200 Stab Wounds, and the people were going nuts for them. They really loved 200 Stab Wounds, and yep, they were like, hey, a couple years... I remember about a year ago, we were playing in this same venue. Who was there? And I scream up, I fucking opened for you. <laughs> He's like, oh, awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, that show was a lot crazier because, for one, they were playing on the floor. And all the hardcore kids and death metal heads, they were just going at it with each other. It was so, so much that one guy, one uh, pitter came all the way to the side of the wall where their merch t- table was and just knocked the whole thing up for <laughs> Wow. And they had a ton of shirts set up on there. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to hang out behind the uh, tables here and just make sure that these things don't get toppled over. And right. it voted well. I was uh, actually pretty helpful in that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. This didn't happen this time around. <laughs> but 200 Saboons, they were you know very precise, very into it. And then Creeping Death came out, and yep, they are just getting better. Their vocalist has gotten a lot more guttural, really more traditional death metal. Like as uh, in the earlier works, you could just you could still tell it was pretty uh, grindy. He was still trying to figure his stuff out. Still good, I love it. But this time around, I'm like, okay, he's really like mastered his craft. Nice. Yeah, and their singer, uh, their singer, their guitarist. I can't remember the I can't remember the guy's name, but he's just this uh, little skinny guy, and he's just playing his guitar right below his waist, and he's just got his head bowed down to his chest, and this veil of dreads just hanging off of him, wow. and he is just going nuts all over. He's like soloing, he's riffing, he's having a fun time. He was the most mobile object on that stage. That's <laughs> he was awesome. just dancing, throwing up kicks, and just like throwing his guitar around. It was great. 
And the pits themselves, they were pretty awesome. It was great to see some circle pits in a room full of hardcore kids. Right? Yeah, because apparently the hardcore kids here just have such a vendetta against circle pits. I do not know why. It's so weird. It's like some unwritten rule that's like, if you want to be in the hardcore scene, you must learn how to spin the kicks. You must learn how to back the fists. You must learn to windmill. You must learn to do the ninja spinning kicks. But no circle pits. On a quick side note to that, and I'm not saying this to make fun of anybody that chooses to do that. You you do whatever. Try not to fucking knock somebody out because that's going to suck for the rest of their show. But Uh somebody had put a video together, right? And they have different spin kicks and all these different things that you would see at a hardcore show. All the stuff you just described. But they took the music away, right? And so then you just see these people doing something without music attached to it, and then somebody was making fun of, like, calling it some different names of something. And I I can't even remember all of the shit, but now I have a hard time not seeing, you know, when people are doing those things, not just laughing to myself about it. Not like, ha-ha, pointing and laughing at them, but just have to chuckle. You know, you just think back to, yeah, when you pull away the music and you see what somebody's doing, they look like they're having a seizure or some shit like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I'm just, and I'm just picturing them like, yes, all the countless hours of, of those uh, dance moves you were trying to get down precisely. You know, just spending those hours in your parents' garage just trying to get that spin kick just right to make sure you don't fall flat on your ass. Right? <laughs> it's like a... It's like a uh, it's like a heavy ballet. <laughs> and the, the part I don't get, and it's not everybody, but there's a, a few. They're going to do their flying around and doing their spin kicks and throwing fists, and they are actually hitting people. Not, I don't think they're like trying to hit somebody with every single kick and every single punch, but they're going around and they're hitting. And then you'll, I've seen people that are anticipating, like, oh, this fucker's getting close, and boom, they'll kick him right before their spin kick comes to hit the person that's standing Still, mm-hmm. right? And then they got this pissed off look, like, why the fuck did you kick me? And I'm thinking, why are you looking at the guy who just kicked you when you're fucking throwing kicks all over the place and you're about to land one on this guy? Come on now. Yeah. You need the shit slapped out of you. <laughs> I know. You, you kind of have to gauge the, the room. You kind of have to see where the safe spaces are. Right. I mean, I've been to so many hardcore shows. I know the moves. I know where the safe spaces are, and I know how to block myself. Right. I can actually feel it on the back of my head like, okay. He's getting a little closer. Okay, then just stick your foot out and just give him a kick in the, give him a kick of the hip. Just be like, fuck off the other way. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, back to the show yeah. or uh, what you were describing. We're we're past spirit world. We're into creeping death and well, two hundred daggers. Well, that's about a two hundred daggers. <laughs> Five hundred. What was it? That's again? the two hundred stab stab wounds. wounds. Oh, you were talking about the other band earlier. Seven daggers. Seven daggers. There yeah, we go. seven daggers equals two hundred stab wounds. There you go. That's probably true. Oh uh, yeah. So no, that's really all I had to say about that show. It was a great. It was a great time. You know, just. Just seeing all the death metal heads and the hardcore kids, you know, in the in the interview, me and uh, Jerem talk briefly about how these scenes are just kind of uh, colliding with each other. Well, not colliding because that would in, uh, that would incite that something is uh, intersecting. You know, yes, they're crossing over. Yes, they're all mixing together, and like, good, good. We need we need some more of that, right? You know, creeping death was full of a lot of uh, head banging. 
And then the hardcore dancer was just chilling right behind us, but all the headbangers were in the front row. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. It was an awesome show. And yeah, not a bad uh, end cap to that whole fucking uh, that cavalcade of live performances I had seen in the last six days. Like I said, six days, seven shows, and I made it happen. Good God, I made it happen. <laughs> Awesome. Yep. So that was my weekend. <laughs> well, there's a few shows I will mention. Uh, Creeping Death, 200 Stab Wounds, Tribal Gaze, Vomit Forth, and Spirit World will be playing on uh, September 5th in Montreal, Buffalo on the 6th, Cincinnati on the 7th, Cleveland on the 8th, Columbus on the 9th, Syracuse, New York on the 10th, and New York City on the 11th. Uh, if you want to see most of those bands, but Plague Years instead of Vomit Forth in the next couple days. Uh, on the second, you will see them in Chicago on the night, or sorry, the third, uh, Detroit and Toronto on the fourth. A little out of order, but there you go. Uh, as we stated, saw them and, uh, you know, Spirit World specifically, but uh, Eric just mentioned some of the other bands too, so go check them out if they're coming to a town near you. Then Friday, the second, coming up this week, Bricks and Mortar, Wargraves, TFR, at Koto, K-O-T-O. That's in Salem, Massachusetts. It's 9 p.m. Unfortunately for you youngsters, it's a 21 and older show, but go check them out. Love Bricks and Mortar. Uh, Wargraves is awesome. Unfamiliar with TFR, but maybe that's a band that I should have to check out. Too fucking real. Is that what it stands for? I'm going to go with that. (laughs) Uh, coming out on tour from Chicago, the band Nauseous. They'll be the 10th in Chicago, 11th Milwaukee, 13th Denver, 14th Salt Lake, 16th Seattle, 17th Portland, 18th Fresno, 20th Riverside, uh, San Diego on the 21st, and L.A. on the 22nd. That's a little far out, but they're out on tour. The show here specifically in Salt Lake uh, they'll be playing on the 14th at the Beehive with Dysentery, with Destructive, with Unwanted Noise, and with Bad Nasty. That's some French street punk, Canadian street punk, uh, Quebec City hardcore, and some Salt Lake City power violence. Uh, so come check it out, and they'll also feature the Dismantled Records, Vending, Distro, Label, Table, uh, all there, so looking forward to them coming to Salt Lake, and that's on the 14th, little ways out. Finally, on the 16th, also a little ways out, but you can check them out in, it looks like Massachusetts, Hyannis, Massachusetts, and you can go see Dead Low, Nothing But Enemies, Working Poor USA, and Casket, Rots, and those, that's brought to you by Audio Epidemic Records, again, Friday, September 16th in Massachusetts, 10 bucks. And again, it's a 21 and older show. We'll mention those again on upcoming shows. Eric, that's all I have for this one. What do you got? Then we'll get into your album. I got a bit, actually. There you go. So the second, there's uh, three shows that are happening for all you pop punk kids who uh, uh, got a few dollars to spend. Mom Jeans is going to be coming to the complex with Free Throw, Just Friends, and Super American. That will start at 7 p.m. and it's a $25 entry. Um Meanwhile, over at the Beehive, Recidivist will be having their album release show for Caverns of the Dead. And they will be supported by Mummy and Snake Eyes. And that's going to be $10. It'll be starting at 6 p.m. Cool. And then at Aces High Saloon, Fight the Future will be playing with Sheacock with a Vengeance, Burning Avenues, and Body Horror. 
we actually share our practice space with Sheacock. Oh, nice. <laughs> yep. Pretty fun. That's how tight-knit we are. <laughs> anyway, that'll be starting at uh, 8 p.m., and it's uh, $10. Then on the third, Fight the Future, once again, we'll be playing at Bad... <laughs> at fucking hell, at Wild Pepper Pizza at 6 p.m. with Bad Mouth, Thoroughgood Jenkins, Higher Law, and Motown. I do not have a price for that show, but eh, you'll find out when you get there. Right. Yeah, just keep an eye open for flyers. If you follow the SLC Hardcore page, you'll see the flyers coming up in the next... Uh, well, if you're listening to it now, you it probably is already posted. <laughs> there you go. Yep, there you go. Anyway, also, also on the third... Uh, Silverstein will be coming back with Amity Affliction and Holding Absence and Unity TX, Unity Texas. That'll be held at the depot. It's a $30 show, and it starts at 7 p.m. And finally on the 3rd, at Aces High, my friend Nick Kuzmak and his partner, um, oh, whoops, I forgot her name, Katie, there it is who go by the names of DJ Nick's Beat and DJ Retrograde, will be doing a DJ set over at Aces High. Cool. And they are doing this thing where it's like a punk rock DJ night, where it's like, yeah, we'll play some punk rock music, but then we actually have bands playing. One of those bands is me. Awesome. <laughs> I will be playing that. And our friends of Marine Corps are going to be playing that. And the last responders from Oregon are coming down to cool. be playing that stuff. So... Three-band bill with uh, DJ set in between. Pretty awesome. And I was uh, texting Nick earlier this week like, hey, who's all playing this show? <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been reaching out to bands but not getting a response. I'm like, okay, well, let me help you. So I threw the line out there and was, waiting and was looking for some bites. And so many bands that I was asking, it was like Narc couldn't do it, Spent couldn't do it, neither could... Uh, uh, neither could Absolved or just so many others. I wanted to ask Mandalore, but I know how Conrad feels about playing bars. Plus, he's in Cambodia right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was out. Uh, so, eventually, Marine Corps hopped on the bill. And it's like, okay, good. And Skullfuck would have uh, jumped on it, but there was just one problem. Those guys are underage. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, they <laughs> are not old enough to go into a bar, legally. Well, and they Sucks. <laughs> anyway, that'll be at Aces High. I'm not sure how much that's going to cost. I don't even know if there's a flyer made for it yet. Well, well, there was a flyer, but now it's got to get updated. So still trying to work out that. Anyway, on the 5th, Stick to Your Guns is going to be coming to the Soundwell with Kublai Khan, Belmont, Koyo, and Foreign Hands. That's going to be $25, and I'm excited. I will be going to that. I need to see Stick to Your Guns at least once in my fucking life. Because <laughs> I've been listening to them for a while and I've never seen them. And it's, it's stupid. <laughs> anyway, on the 6th, two more shows will be going on. The Probably the, one of the most seminal skate punk bands ever, Ignite, will be coming to Metro with Violent Unrest and Seven Daggers and Run Into the Sun all opening. Awesome. So that's going to be a fun one. However, I will not be attending that. But Damn. once again, Metro and $16. The reason why I'm not attending it is I'm performing that night again. There you go. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, the band Psychomantis, who played a general violence conference earlier this year, is coming back to the Beehive. Awesome. And they actually closed the Beehive set, the all-ages portion of the conference. Cool. 
Anyway, they'll be playing with a split image, and our friends in Skullfuck and Sacrilegion are also supporting. Awesome. And that is going to be, uh, like I said, the 6th at the Beehive. And hmm, for all I know, it could be free. They didn't put a fucking price on the flyer. <laughs> Guys, you got to be better about this. There you go. That's <laughs> okay. I'll text to Kale about it. Just look for the flyers on SLC Hardcore. Awesome. All right. Let's and get that's into that all album. I got. We got an interview to get to. Let's get into that album. Yeah, this album, this album, this album. I have a bit of a fun memory with this one. So do you remember back on the 11th of 7, 7-11-2018, or 2019, that was my first episode that I did on the podcast, Boom. <laughs> on this punk cast. Nice. So yeah, and one of, the f- one of the bands that I played on there was a band called Slaves. They're awesome. From the UK. Oh, yeah. I had to put a song by Are You Satisfied on there. And it was my favorite one at the time, that being Cheer Up London. Yep. It's all, you're already dead and it's not that bad. (laughs) So I was kind of at a loss for what albums I wanted to do. I mean, I had one picked out, but I was like, no, I want to save it for later. And uh, you'll know it when you hear it. (laughs) (laughs) But I figured, you know what? I've been meaning to go back to that Slaves album because I wanted to talk about some other songs on this one. And that album is, Are You Satisfied? And the answer is, we're never satisfied. But there, is some, there are some really great songs on here. I really love the uppityness and just the dance nature on songs like Sockets, which is what I'm going to be playing for you right now. Who's the lucky boy that's gonna ease my pain? It wasn't her fault, 
I love how catchy it is, and I love how vicious it is. Right. And that's just slaves in a nutshell. <laughs> and they don't, they're not a one trick pony, these guys. They have their uppity songs like this, they have their uh, danceable ones, and then they have their slow ones. Like the title track is just an acoustic guitar going, Are you satisfied? <laughs> so, yeah, they know when to be uh, extravagant and they know when to be reserved. And that's what I appreciate about a band of this caliber. Right. And talking of that, the. The other song that I just really love the most on this record, along with, oh, God, the rest of them. <laughs> I have to say that Do Something is the one that sticks out to me because, because of one line in there, you are not stuck in traffic, you are traffic. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, we just always think about ourselves when we're in uh, situations like that. True. You know, everyone is wrong except for me. <laughs> I'm the only one here who can think logically in this point that's basically what the song entails and i love the message in that because yeah we kind of get lost in our own hierarchy right (laughs) yeah and it's a slippery slope people so just remember you're not stuck in traffic you are traffic move Your worries and your fears Manipulating you The ringing in your ears Is self-inflicted too Doing damage to your health To get the instant fix It really is incredible How people get their kicks Looking at the floor Won't get no answers there The product in your hair Or her lacy underwear Are you happy? Or are there things that could be done Whether you're midway through the process Or you haven't yet begun Second verse again. Looking at the floor, won't get no answers there. Write a letter to the man just to show you really care. Doing damage to your health to get her this to fix. When there's mixture in the mixer, but you're running low on bricks. Come on, if you're not moving, do something. If you're 
that song can be just because of the bass undertone really driving that one and yeah like I said I love how catchy it is I love how kind of menacing it is I love that they kept the outtake in the second verse it's right? just yeah why not it just fits in so well <laughs> anyway that's enough about slaves I love those guys and I and I hope that those two guys are uh, pursuing their endeavors under that different name in in all I don't know. I hope it's easy for him. <laughs> anyway, coming up right now is the interview with Jerome, Jerome, Jerome Alfred Bischoff. <laughs> and now we are sitting here with uh, Jerome Bischoff. He is the proprietor and promoter of Crucial Fest, and he's been doing that for how many years has it been now, Jerome? Well, it's uh, the 11th year. We, we took off a year. For COVID, like everyone did. So, <laughs> yeah. 12 years, but 11th festival. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Man, where to begin? I mean, Crucial Fest, it's, uh, I mean, it's in the title itself. It's been a pretty, uh, it's been a staple in underground, the underground community in Salt Lake for, like, all the different heavy bands. And it's just been going consistently, save for 2020, but that's a different story. But, yeah. Man, I guess uh, I guess to begin is at the beginning. Where did this uh, Where did this come from? Um, I was uh, in Loom and touring a lot, and then I found myself not in Loom anymore and going to school. And I wanted to see all my friends from all over the U.S. So I was like, "Hey, I'll just bring them all here." Also, like, I kind of do this thing where I at least at the time where I sort of defined myself by my project. So for, for me to not be in loom anymore was uh, crushing in some ways. Um, so I just wanted to start something new and there was no heavy festival or even punk or rock or anything going on in, in Salt Lake city. I mean, I don't even know if there is now, I know there's stuff, but um, so I just thought that was something I could start up. So I uh, got a couple people to sponsor it. Slug Magazine was there. Grey Whale was there. Uh, Rock Doc, actually. Ray Munoz was there at the first one. Um, and we did like a, a thing out at um, Liberty Park where we had... Uh, so Taylor Orton's dad helped me build these tiny little stages out of like two by sixes and plywood. And we built these little stages and then we're like, well, what are we going to put behind them? So we put a van, we parked a van behind each one and with a banner on it. And that was our stage. We brought in a couple of really simple PAs, but it was mostly just 
Um, I mean, it was just like vocal PA, so it was just live sound. And we did a free thing at the park. And then we had some night shows at uh, Bar Deluxe and Burt's Tiki Lounge. Mm -hmm. And that was the first Crucial Fest. And then ever since then, we've kind of just tried something different pretty much every year until 2021 was like the first time we did something we've already done before. So we have done like the second year was like two weeks in a row, like two weekends, just so I could fit more bands in at like all these different places. We had shows at like the Woodshed, Kilby Core, Urban. Um, we had shows at Metro at Metro's previous location. Iceburn played that um, spot. And then the third year we tried more different stuff. Uh, the fifth year we had, we did like area 51 with a couple stages um, 2017, we did uh, the Gateway Mall, did like a huge thing where I partnered with SNS and tried something different. We did the fairgrounds in 2018. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then now we found kind of a home in uh, at Metro Music Hall for a laundry list of reasons. <laughs> just, I mean, like after doing some big outdoor stuff, it's just so. It's like the the weight of doing something like that where you're talking about the the type of bands we do and the type of budget we have. It's just kind of crushing in terms of like how much you have to do and how difficult it is to pull it off. And uh, yeah, it's not, it's like for two years in a row, 2017 and 2018, I was like miserable the whole time during while while the festival's happening like i didn't get to see the bands i wanted to see i was too busy doing shit i didn't want to do and so we're at metro now because like i don't have to bring in fencing i don't have to bring in staging i don't have to bring in security i don't have to i mean like one person but not like a huge team of it i don't need like 40 volunteers i can get away with like a few a night um the sound and lighting all the production is all there the bar is there. All the alcohol is taken care of and, and there. So there's just a lot of reasons why we uh, started doing this. And I think we'll keep doing it for a few years. Maybe if we want to grow it and try something weird, we might do like a stage outside Metro, um, like in the front and close off the street a little bit. But that's kind of as far as I've thought about it. I've got no plans of doing like a big outdoor thing again. Maybe one day we'll try a camping thing, but... It's just not really what Crucial Fest is. Crucial Fest is like up and coming bands, local bands, regional friends that are in cool bands. And it's more about like the community and everyone knowing each other and less about like bringing in the biggest band we can that like doesn't really give a shit about our local scene or whatever. It's more like about Salt Lake. Now. I mean, it's always been about Salt Lake, but we kind of like we've just tried so many different things that we've almost come full circle now. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I was that's there the beginning for a of Crystal few Fest. Of also, all of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was there for a few of those uh, things, like specifically in uh, 2018, and that was be uh, volunteering as like a stagehand. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, how else am I going to get into the fest for free? <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway, the. Uh, yeah, I just remember that, you know, it was at the fair park. It was like the big stage and then the two or three indoor stages. And one of them was a drag show. Yeah, that was the, I think that was the first time we tried to incorporate drag and uh, something to sort of 
reach out to that community. It was 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Uh, I think it was the night where me and uh, <laughs> yeah, me and my best friend that was that being Landon Hale, he uh, he showed up and he just pulls out a joint. And it's like, hey, dude, let's get ripped. All right, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll take a smoke break from work, uh, from work doing all the volunteer stuff. But by then, I was like, "Oh, I don't think I'm gonna go back." <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happened. It happened. But that was like first time seeing Chelsea Wolf. I'm like, "Whoa, this is amazing." <laughs> uh, it was. But, but yeah, I love the I love the way that the outdoor was uh, set up, but. Again, what you were just saying, I could not imagine the stress that you had to endure with everything like that. Yeah, we had one outdoor stage and then two indoor stages, and um, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Oh man! But it, I mean, for the crowd anyway, it was. Uh, you know, I was part of the crowd. It was worth it seeing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tons and tons of people that had an amazing time that year. Oh yeah. And I had definitely had positive experiences too, but you know, it was a lot. I mean, for me, like a huge point was uh, seeing Pig Destroyer for the first time. Pig Destroyer was an amazing set. Oh yeah, yeah, Pig Destroyer, and of course Neurosis, who I guess hadn't been back here since got the nineties, maybe. Yeah, same with Pig Destroyer. I don't think they had been here in ten years or so. If I remember, the singer said, "Well, this is like our first time here." I go. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yep, there you go. You heard it here, folks. Jerome got uh, Jerome got fucking a uh, pig destroyer here. I did do that. <laughs> Congratulations. Did. That's a. That's a they also <laughs> came, so they get some credit too. <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, shit, I had a segue into that, but now I can't remember. Oh, that's okay. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, that's a, that's Dustin's job. <laughs> okay, no, I remember. So, so yeah, when twenty uh, twenty struck that whole that whole debacle of a year, what was it? What was it like coming back into it the year after? Like going into twenty twenty one, what was the mindset of like, you know, after after reaching such a bar to to rent out this uh, the fair park for one year. And then, like, yeah, yeah. What were uh, what were the expectations? Honestly, I guess? like, in a lot of ways, twenty twenty was a really nice break. Like, I think a lot of people felt that too. It's like, yeah, this sucks. We can't do this stuff, but also we don't have to. We don't have to do anything. Like, all I had to do was stay at home with my kids and play Animal Crossing for six months. It was nice. <laughs> I mean. I did a little more than that, but not much. Like, it was, at first, it was really nice to just slow down and be like, cool, I'm not working right now. I don't really care. I don't really, like, care at all if I don't go to work for six months. That's fine. Once it got to be pushing a year and once it got to be like, hey, all right, we're ready now. Like, it, it was time to get back for sure. But taking that break getting a little distance from it was actually pretty healthy for me. I was able to like deal with some other things in my life and kind of like went through some, some transitional stuff. And I feel like it was good for my family and 
it was uh, in in a lot of ways it was good for my mental health. And then, but then coming back to it, it was like, "Hey, we're ready. Let's do this. Like, let's let's make this the best thing that we can." And that's uh, we we made um, we made it free in 2021, and uh, we still had to deal with COVID a little bit. There was like the Delta variant going on, and I had all this different pressure from all these different bands and promote and, and booking agents and stuff like. You know, you need to enforce vaccines or like, don't you fucking dare enforce vaccines or like we're going to drop or we're going to do this and that. And like, I was kind of getting it from all sides. Like just no one was happy. And, um, you know, I was at the event trying to like encourage everyone to like wear masks and stuff. And, and just to like make it just like make everyone comfortable, but it ended up just really making some people very uncomfortable and like, I don't know. So there was so there was that to deal with in 2021 that was like not fun, but uh, the vibe was really great. We got we made it for free, so we like it was like a largely local supported um, festival. A ton of people came out. The vibes were really good. Um, I was really happy with the setup and the logistics and like having it as the first year we've ever. Well, no, 2019 we did a we did like a. A tiny crucial fest in 2019 but um yeah for the first time we came back to a venue and we knew what we were doing and we had a couple days to load in and decorate and set up and get ready for it and then we had a couple days on the other side to tear down and it was uh lower stress than definitely some of the years leading up to it um and people were excited to get back to doing live music and i think people are still excited to get back to it because only now are we really seeing like all of the Salt Lake bands get out on the road and start touring again and like releasing those albums they've been sitting on for the past year and a half or two. Um, so I feel like only now are we really like shaking it off and like, it's still out there, but as far as I'm concerned, people need to like make their own decisions on what they want to do as far as COVID stuff goes. And if you're worried about it, you probably shouldn't go out into a big, a setting like that, you know, like a big True. public setting where there's, you know, we're not enforcing masks anymore. We're they're totally optional and we're not like man, like telling people they have to do have to be vaccinated or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel yeah, like that's everyone's personal choice. Am I cutting out? No, you're no, you're not cutting out. I was just saying like, you don't have to show your vax card at certain venues anymore. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, everyone's entitled to their opinion on that and i respect all different opinions but i'm not going to force my opinion on anyone else at this point because i feel like that's a little bit unethical given that there's so much up in the air surrounding all of all of it it's just it's too much to be like i know everything and i'm gonna make you do what i say like (laughs) if you're worried about it you should just you should be careful and do what you feel like you should do Mm -hmm. but it's a risk going to a public event anyways. It's, you know, you have to take on some level of risk to do it and to go out and have fun. And we all, we all did that. So, Oh yeah. Um, and it's still happening. <laughs> like some of the shows. Still that is, been- it still is. I mean, people are still getting it. I mean, yeah. and it will, that'll probably continue for some time. Yeah, it will. But I mean, I remember coming back to shows in the, you know, after the ban was lifted and everyone's out of quarantine or whatever. And I just saw like all these new faces, all these, 
all these young bucks coming in. I'm just like, okay. This is uh, apparently just uh, the dam broke out of all these uh, consecutive houses, and now all these kids are coming to shows. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> Looks like yeah, they had a lot of time. There was definitely a less stress about it this year. I mean, there were still people wearing masks and, and being careful and good for them. I feel like, honestly, everyone should really do what they feel they need to do. But it was nice to not have that like pressure, like not everyone's doing what I think they should do. This is weird. Like I wasn't there this year, which was nice. Yeah, it was definitely for me. Thing. It, it was, was nice. Well, coming from a, you know, a spectator, there was a, yeah, I didn't sense a lot of uh, stress. I didn't sense a lot of uh, egos going at, going head to head or anything like that. Or I didn't see any fights breaking out. Of course, then again, I missed like a whole day of Crucial Fest. Maybe it all got out in the first day. No, there was so. no fights. There was a on Saturday when we had, we had all the heavy hardcore stuff. There was a bit of a, a pit going on, which was pretty fun. Everyone was respectful and just having a good time. And mm-hmm. That's kind of what I like to see. I don't like fights and stuff. But it was. I mean, it's just not really even that crowd at all. Like mm-hmm. a tiny bit, but it's more the fold your arms and nod your head crowd. And just enjoy the live music. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of. Especially on a, yeah, especially on night two. Especially with the Mies more. It's not the moshiest of music. A lot of it's just no, long it's black chords. Metal. And stuff mosh like that. to that. Well, whatever. I mean, at the same time, I like to see it a little bit too because it means people are having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Then again, Metro is 21 plus, so not a lot of uh, young kids with all that hyped up energy just coming through. <laughs> Get your fake yeah. kids. Yeah, that was something we did in 2019 for the first time is made it all 21 plus just to uh, sort of simplify it. Um, but this year we started a new event called Crucial Salt Lake, which is our all ages show. Mm. So instead of having like one festival that's like some shows are 21 plus, some shows are all ages. Now, Crucial Fest is 21 plus, and Crucial Salt Lake is all ages. So we're just making it uh, making it have its own event. Yeah, and we tried a couple other things this year, and everything's gone really well. So we're rather than going as big as we possibly can for one thing, we're sort of like spreading out and doing more different creative stuff. Yeah, and it's, so far it's working really well. Yeah, it's kind of following the same uh, structure as like a. Uh, something like Warp Tour, instead of making it like one giant festival, it's spread out throughout the you know the course of the summer. That's what it reminded me of. It's like you had Crucial Salt Lake up in Kilby Court at uh, what was it? That was May, and then the Crucial yeah. Trek. <laughs> that was something. Yeah, I've we never had the seen. Trek. We had the first Crucial Tour, and yeah. we just uh, kept it kept it small and just did uh, regional three regional shows. We did Provo. Um, Ogden and Logan just to kind of like go test those markets and see what's going on. And it was super fun. And I think next year we'll take it a little further. Oh, yeah. Go out of state. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think next year maybe we'll do a Northwest loop and do Ogden, Boise, Portland, Seattle, or, or maybe crucial trek California. I don't know. We'll do, we'll do something cool because it went well and it was fun. It was fun. Like, that's the first time since, uh, well, Worst Friends did a tour after Loom, but first time in a long time that I at least got a tiny little taste of 
tour. And yeah, it wasn't like going to these far off cities and that part of tour, but it was like seeing the same bands three nights in a row, hanging out with the same people multiple nights in a row in new settings and new venues. And uh, there was something exciting and fun about that. So I definitely want to keep building up the crucial trek and use it as a way to promote um, our scene and our community outside of Utah. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome just to, because I still feel that Salt Lake City is such a, uh, it's just microscopic in comparison to all those, uh, you know, biggie, uh, bigger, more well-developed scenes. Well, our population is small too. I think I that's important for people to remember. Oh, um, I do remember. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you compare us to Portland, Seattle, LA, Vegas, Phoenix, any of those scenes, we're just, there's just not as many people here. And heavy music is not as much an included part of the art scene here as it is in a lot of other places. So, um, what we have is special though. And the bands that come out of here are world-class bands. They just have different barriers than other people do. If you're on the East coast, you can hit, you know, Boston, New York, New Jersey, all up and down the coast. You have like all these major cities within, you know, half an hour to three hours distance. And you can just easily like tour and hit all those huge markets. And like, we don't have that here. We have, you know, seven hours in a van and trailer to Boise and Boise's got a really small heavy music scene too. And we're 10, 10 and a half hours, 11 in a van and trailer to, to Denver or Portland or San Francisco or LA. So just to get out, you have to drive really far. And that's a big uh, barrier for, for bands here. And so when you're doing a tour, you're, you know, Denver or Salt Lake, Portland, like you're just making huge, crazy drives. So the scene here is just a little more isolated, both geographically and I feel like also in terms of the national attention that they get. Like um, Kevin Musgrave, who's who's come tons of, of years of Crucial Fest, uh, made this this uh, statement as post or whatever, talking about how Salt Lake is the most underrated scene in the u.s and i think that's 100 percent true um, yeah <laughs> the bands here kill like they slay like just you if you if you were at crucial fest then you know that for sure mm-hmm. and that's the crucial fest like all these amazing bands even bands like Goth and i hear sirens and a lot of these bands too that have and cult leader that have giant followings like overseas and in major markets huge followings and then here they play too you know, 200, 300 people, maybe 400 at Crucial Fest, but a regular show is not even going to be that. So um, the talent here obviously is world-class, amazing talent. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of behind Crucial Fest as well. Yeah, and that's the beauty of wanting to, uh, of what you were saying earlier about your planet of like uh, spreading it out because... It almost feels like uh, Salt Lake has uh, it's got to prove itself. It's like, and yeah, we are contenders. I feel that. It's also, like, like small, but we're ferocious. <laughs> I mean, that's true, but I, I don't care to prove it at the same time. Like, if someone wants to take note of it and notice it, then 
they can do that and they will do that. But um, I guess, I guess prove it is just kind of a, a not the words I would use. I, I like to, I would like to bring these bands out of Salt Lake or, you know, not bring them. They're doing it on their own too, but just support them and go and like curate these shows where they just go and they just like melt faces and just like destroy people with their show and like make an impact on people and get people to notice that way. Um, but as far as like proving it to like the, you know, the national media and like the, you know, the big booking agencies and stuff like that. Fuck them. I don't care to do that. <laughs> like, like part of what well, makes this special is that it's under the radar. And well, so, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. more concerned with, with like, I'm more concerned with like making relationships between bands in Salt Lake and bands that are not in Salt Lake that have a similar community mentality rather than like trying to play the game of like, like, press and advertising and stuff like that like i don't i don't care about that well yeah that's and that's not really what i meant on uh, the grounds of right prove it you know I but mean, it is what some people think so i kind of wanted to throw that out there well yeah the yeah for clarification purposes just like yeah we don't even really think about that i mean the the big wigs are kind of an afterthought if anything but the yeah as they should be yeah but yeah i do like the idea of uh just uh really kind of getting the uh, connections more uh, uh, more tight-knit in our surrounding states because, yeah, you know, right. we have big cities within our, you know, within our vicinity, but we're just really spread out. So Right. No, that's and that's yeah. totally key. It's like when Crucial Fest happens and I, I see, like, these tours with, like, not that Crucial Fest is necessarily the cause of it, but it does help facilitate it for some bands. Like, I see Throws and Ryle... Uh, going on a going on a tour together or you know whatever it is there's always a number of bands that are like hey we should we we have something in common we should do a tour together and then you have a contact in that city and so even if they don't do a tour with you you can you can book that city through them or whatever and i really want i do want the world to to see what we have here is special but I'm just not going to force it. They can, they can figure it out when they figure it out or not. Well, yeah, it's like a, it's like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No forcing. Yeah. No forcing. Cause nothing's going to, nothing's going to happen with that. (laughs) Yeah. And if anything, it just loses all, uh, nobility. If you, yeah, if you're forcing something like that. I do want to ask, like, I guess what are your uh, favorite memories of the years of Crucial Fest? And do you have a favorite year of of a certain fest? Yeah, my favorite year is this year. Yeah? And my favorite year before that was last year. My favorite year before that was, like, one through four. So, um, yeah, I mean, this year had some really incredible vibes like everyone was smiling like having great conversations people were were gracious and there was a level of like community and acceptance and camaraderie this year that was a bit above the average 
that's always there, but there was just something a little extra special this year as far as that goes. And then the performances um, this year were top-notch as well. Just like we put a lot of energy into details that a lot of local shows don't have the, the time and resources to be able to put the attention to like um, having Eric Olson come out and do lights for us. He comes and he sets up things all custom for this show. It's not like the normal lighting that you would get at Metro. And then he, you know, he performs lights along with each band and matches their mood. And he, you know, takes notes on what their preferences are and how they want to be portrayed and he'll match the mood. And just that little bit of extra attention I think really elevates and shows like what these local bands can, can be like we have um, reunions that we always try to get together. And um, this year Holdra played and it was the best I've ever seen. them. And I think most people would probably say that because we try to elevate the show by doing this extra stuff with lights, by having a, you know, a separate sound guy from the stage manager. So there's two people sort of, helping out with that rather than just saying like, Hey, go to the show. Someone's going to do sound and it's going to be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, We do a lot to like try and elevate things a little bit. And then people can really see a band for what they are or what they're capable of rather than, you know, not that there's anything wrong with playing a a, a show at Kilby court or whatever, you know, but just to like, be like, Hey, just so you know, this band could be like touring the U S playing huge shows and like, totally deliver like everything that you know all these other notable bands deliver yeah and it's true like uh people people do pick up on that whether they realize it or not you know whether it's conscious or subconscious but yeah stuff like uh just simple effects like that with the lighting and uh sound you know the main focus of course is the band so they're not exactly focused on it but it is there and it just always adds more to the show i mean that's what makes I mean, it the lighting and the sound is you know? is focused on the band that's there it's meant to be something that enhances and supports the band yeah and that's what i'm um, saying people do uh, pick up on that it's just sort of like the the presentation of it the right. yeah, exactly it like a theatrics it's like dressing up your food on a plate so that it looks nice rather than just like putting it in a blender and serving it in a cup with mm-hmm. a straw. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as my favorite memories go, like, honestly, um, I just like seeing people and having those moments where we have a little, a chat, you know, where we, we hang out, we have a beer and we just talk. And it's someone that either I've just met, um, there was this this guy Milky uh, playing with Marissa Nadler that was just like a super cool guy. We just had a little moment where he shared a beer and chatted about whatever, and it was just whatever. It wasn't like some profound thing, but it was just like a nice little moment. And I have those with you know friends that I've that I have that I don't see very often because we're all getting older and we don't we don't all go party at a house anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's new people that I meet. Um, or it's people that I look up to, uh, like Nathan Ellis from Casket Lottery. He was just like such a sweetheart and nice person to talk to. And he and my wife had a conversation that went on for like half an hour. And like that really meant something to her. And to have those people be so thankful and gracious and stuff. When at the same time, they came all the way out here from Kansas City just for this show. Um, 
those kind of things mean a lot. So like, it's not really um, specific memories where I'm like, this is my favorite memory. Cause it's more something that happens regularly, but it's my favorite part about crucial fest is just hanging with people and talking and then going and watching a band together and looking to your side and there's, you know, one of your homies or, or whatever, or someone you don't know. And you're just like, fuck yeah. Like this is rad. Just like that vibe. That's like everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, and that's really like the uh, end goal. Is it not just like, yeah, everybody having that same cohesive feeling that, yep. Everything feels right in this moment. Yeah, totally. At this moment, I'm watching this band and I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not worried about anything. I'm just experiencing being alive in like a really cool, unique, meaningful way. And it just like, it kind of makes the stress of life melt away at least for a little bit. Yeah. Oh boy, I know that feeling. I was, (laughs) and I was feeling that. (laughs) Do you have any, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, bizarre memories of the of the whole thing of uh, Crucial Fest. Anything, any s- incidents that stand out, like either good or bad. Yeah, not any pleasant ones. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, sometimes it's a little weird meeting people that you've looked up to for a long time. And then you, all of a sudden you're hanging out with them and you're like, oh, I'm not starstruck at all. <laughs> um, then at the same time you realize that they're just like, they're just like you. They're just, they've been in their own local scene and, and worked their ass off for so long. And now they're, you know, now they're making something of themselves. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really bad at that question. Not, not really like <laughs> uh, our stuff. Nah. I don't know. Not really. It's a question I get all the time and I never have a good answer. Like what's a good memory? What's something what's a story about Crucial Fest? The story is Crucial Fest. Like go to the festival and that's the story. It's not really I don't know. I, I like I so I think like with this tour thing and we start doing uh, a crucial tour that goes around stuff, I'll have better stories for you from that, I swear. Okay, there um, you go. <laughs> you're traveling from town to town and you're playing some random place and everything's all janky and weird. Um, and then it all comes together, whatever. You know, I mean, like the last night of Crucial Fest after is over, I heard a, a weird story of this lady that was like screaming bloody murder, like she was getting murdered. You know, there, it turns out she was okay. Just stupid shit. But um, yeah. Ask me that question about Crucial Trek after we take it out of state. I'll have something for you then. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll have to do a follow-up interview then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the, the, the things I would have to tell you about that, like, this wouldn't even sound interesting to anyone else. Like, I remember Crucial Fest 5 was really stressful for a number of reasons. And afterwards, I was hanging out with, Uh, my wife and my wife's ex-husband and my wife's brother and sister-in-law. And we just went to a hotel and we just got like delirious. You know, we were drunk and high, but that was it. But it was enough after all the stress to like have this huge release where we just laughed like so hard 
at the dumbest shit that's not funny at all in reality. Just <laughs> we were saying taco damn it like all the time, like like it was funny, like it's something that's funny. It's not funny, but at the time it was the perfect fucking thing to say a random word with a swear word and try to use it as many ways as you can and just laugh to the point of tears and just have this huge release of like all this stress just like flowing out of you and have this euphoria you know that kind of moment's not uncommon for me with crucial fest to have the, the festivals over and you're hanging out and someone's uh you know one of your volunteers is on mushrooms for the first time in their life and they're crying their eyes out and they're so appreciative of everything and there's just this this there's these moments of like after the festival is over there's this like release like whatever it is um that'll happen pretty regularly and manifest in one way or another and i remember those things for sure but i don't think that they would mean anything to anyone else well i mean people can relate to that feeling i mean uh, what you were just saying of like uh, getting uh, getting totally stoned with your friends and then laughing at the dumbest things. I mean, yeah, yeah. I literally did that. Me and my friends, we laughed for a straight hour over the word sprinkle beach. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, that's it right there. And then fucking like, sprinkle beach yeah. is the place that you go after a festival. <laughs> sprinkle beach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have a taco, damn it, while you're sitting on sprinkle beach. <laughs> And uh, on a quick end cap on that, when we finally like settled ourselves, okay, we stopped laughing. And then I said it again, <laughs> and my friend started laughing all over again. And he just looks at me, Did you just make that up? I go, Dude, <laughs> you've been laughing at this for the last 60 minutes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm ready to laugh all over again. Yeah. <laughs> I love that stupid shit. Yeah. I love high, being high and really fucking dumb. <laughs> it's, it's a hoot. Uh, what it's a nice you? way to remember that uh, this is all a joke on a certain level. Things are important, but are they? You know, life is weird. Yeah. It's, it's fun to just let go and be like, this is silly, and that's good enough for yeah. me. It's like we're all just here to have a good time, man. <laughs> I don't know why we're here, but having a good time is something we can do. Yeah. At least that's when I go to Crucial Fest. I go to have a good time. I think we all do. Yeah. For sure. Uh, talking it of, was uh, a good time. Good time. I'll tell you that much. It was a super good time. Yeah. Talking of uh, good times, do you have any uh, bands that you uh, uh, that you brought in specifically from out of state that are just uh, hitting you up like, hey, when can we get on the next one? Um, I think most bands that played this year would come back. And I think most years people's experience, not all, but most years, um, bands have a really good experience. Like I, I try to go out of my way to do everything I can to make a band's experience as good as possible, not just so that they'll come back or think good of me. But so they'll have a good impression of Salt Lake and like, our music scene here. Um, so, um, you know, there's definitely some bands here I'd like to have back, but at the same time, I want to keep it fresh every year too. I can't book the same bands every year. Or that'll be a little boring. Maybe a lot of the local staples should play every year or every other year, but, mm -hmm. um, 
I got to keep it fresh and tasty. So we're, we're looking for new bands all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of a, that back, that sort of balance. You want to get the bands that you know will have the, uh, will have the draw, but also at the same time, just throw some stuff in there so people don't get bored. Yeah. I mean, we can't afford bands with draw, so we get creative. We, we, we book bands that we think are super fucking cool and their draw is going to be whatever it is. It's not what Crucial Fest is about. If a band had too big of a draw, it's just going to bring in a bunch of knuckleheads that don't even care about anything. So um, I'm way more interested in quality and like what I personally think of a band. Like Glassing, I believe this was their first show here. Glassing is an example of a band that just absolutely destroys on stage. They were phenomenal, like like just my socks were literally off my feet after they played. And I think everyone was sockless. <laughs> Not and they were just some super cool band that a buddy of mine, Chase Clough, who plays in last, showed me at our at my Christmas party. And he was like, dude, you've got to check out this band. Like, these guys are crazy. They're doing something super unique in heavy music. And we listened to it. We jammed out. And we, like, had a good conversation and, like, had a moment. And so after that, I was like, cool. I mean, I need to find out how to book Glassing and how to get a hold of them. Turns out one of them is from here. And uh, they're based in Austin now. But um, they fit in perfectly. They had the, the perfect vibe of, like, showing up being professional, but not being like uh, high maintenance or weird, just being like, just happy to be here. And so like, I, I would, I'd have them back a million times. I hope to be able to have them come back. I hope they want to come back. I think they probably would. I think their experience was really good. Um, forgot the question by now, but there's some words. <laughs> That's okay. We got a pretty decent enough answer. Um, by what guys, now, I what are you guys seeing as far are. as like what's going on with the local scene and the punk scene and, and stuff like that? Like I, I see a lot of cool stuff happening. Uh, like I think Aces High is a really cool new venue that's super needed and people need to go out to their shows because they're having like super rad shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got, so we, we, we talked a little bit about Crucial Salt Lake, Crucial Trek. We just had Crucial Fest. And now I'm doing Back from the Dead in uh, for Halloween on the October 28th at Aces. Um, we're going to have the rules for that show is that a local band has to cover another band that's no longer a band and play a whole set of theirs. Mm, so awesome. um, it's probably going to be something like Holdra covering Isis, Pinewalker covering, I think, Bolt Thrower, Accidente covering Jesus Lizard, Ryle might cover botch um helen's band i forget what it's called was asking about um covering in excess i think that'd be super fun and then Lindsay heath orchestra might do eurythmics and annie lennox um so that's that show's called back from the dead and that's going to be like our halloween show and then in december we're going to have Christmas at aces where every band has to cover a christmas song but they have to like fuck it up and make it cool somehow. And so that's <laughs> awesome. like the rule for that, for that show. They have to do like two songs and like try to creatively make like a terrible Christmas song, like super cool. So uh, that's, that's going to come up in, uh, in December. 
I think one of the biggest, uh, <laughs> I think probably the most, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but probably the biggest challenge would be to make 12 Days of Christmas enjoyable. <laughs> that, it would. That to that, me is the most annoying song. Unless you're, unless you're drunk at home singing it with your friends, that, that could be funny. Like uh, <laughs> last year, uh, I don't know if it was at a party or we just had friends over, but we got pretty drunk and we sang it like a drinking song. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, in terms of like what's going on in the local scene, what do you guys, what are you guys seeing? You guys are interviewing lots of people. Well, you think things are up and up? Do you think um, there's conflict going on? Do you think overall the scene's doing well? Well, the yeah, overall, I think the scene is doing wonderful. It's probably the most inclusive I've ever seen it. The only, uh, really, the only uh, drama or conflict that's going on is just a. Uh, most of it is just uh, petty stuff, but it's with all the it's with all the young kids that are coming in. It's like, okay, yeah, you you sooner sooner or later you're gonna learn the the stuff you're mad about. You're gonna forget about it two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just that stuff. But uh, something for me is like uh, I see the sort of uh, clicks come in droves throughout the years. It's like uh, before the pandemic, there was like a wildly vast street punk scene and hardcore scene going on at the same time in their own little camps, you know? And then when the, and then like, uh, God, it was, man, a couple of the folks just, uh, either they died or they just, uh, moved somewhere else or they just, uh, kind of disappeared or whatever. And they took, they basically just took the whole scene with them. Cause now there's like no yeah. such thing as a street punk scene here or a thrash scene or anything of that nature. But when uh, the pandemic ended, power violence bands really came out of the woodwork. And I'd never seen, like, a huge power violence scene here. Like, I knew all the stuff that was coming from the diss house, all the crust and all the you noise. you power violence, like you mean bands like Narc and stuff like that? Yeah, Narc was, like, the... Snuff tape in the same category? Yeah, Snuff tape is uh, more... I consider them more beat down. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know terms. Like every person has their own meaning of all the different words. It's like if you take a word like emo, like that could literally mean everything <laughs> from like super dismal, grungy, like screamo, like uh, chaotic, like stuff like planes mistaken for stars, or it could be prettier, like late nineties stuff like Elliot all the way to like, I went to emo night at, at Metro the other night to like promote crucial fest. And they literally were playing uh lit and one direction. And like, <laughs> it was just radio pop from like 2000 to 2005. Like, and that was, that's emo to people now too. So <laughs> yeah, words are weird, but I definitely have seen, um, I use the word scene, but I mean it interchangeably with community, like the music community. Yeah. Uh, like saying scene sounds a little like, uh, like uh, elitist or something. It's not what I mean by scene. I just mean like the people, but I've definitely seen scenes uh, that rise up and fall based on one, one person. Like one person is like the charismatic person who gives a shit, who's promoting all the shows plays in like the most awesome band 
of like just like how parallax was in the provo hardcore mm-hmm. scene of like the late 90s or early 2000s rather um like when he passed away that whole scene passed away too it all everyone left and like went and started different bands and like there's a ripple effect of that that goes out and like it was a huge you know overall the consequences of that are enormous but like that exact scene of kids and friends was just almost vanished overnight yeah yeah that was a that was something that i've been seeing not just in yeah not just in street punk and thrasher but also the kind of uh 90s skate punk pop punk sort of stuff that was going on when problem daughter broke up that whole scene went away Mm -hmm. and and yeah with the street punk scene it was like when uh when drellinger when he passed away then street punk just went with it and and yeah the that whole uh scene is uh kind of dead like Pretty much all the uh, metal bands that have that are kind of uh, left in Salt Lake are just are like the established ones. Like I know Deathblow is still kicking around, Necro Wolf in the same regard. Um, uh, and now we're starting to get a sort of like a death metal renaissance here with guys like uh, Sacrilegion and Recidivist, who we've who we played with before, and you know they're they're cool dudes. We always they always bring their they always bring their all over here. But the thing that I'm uh, loving most is I'm seeing these bands on bills that are that are really mixed in. And it's like you'll have death metal bands and bands like uh, mine, which is like metalcore, metallic hardcore, whatever. And then a band that's like maybe uh, you know kind of old school '80s hardcore. And we did have that show with uh, PSO, Sacrilegion, and my band Anonymous. And I made a point to talk about that. Uh, in a in a soft part of one song, I said, "Just think of it this way, people: we have a death metal band, a skate punk band, and a hardcore band all on the same bill, and that is amazing to me because we are a small city, we are a small scene, we can't afford to be segregated." We totally, the that's inclusion. completely true. <laughs> yeah. That's why when uh, even when people call Crucial Fest a metal festival, which everyone does, I I'm like. Crucial Fest is a heavy music festival yeah. where where the definition of heavy is as loose or tight as I want it to be. Like we'll have a super light band that's like emotionally heavy mm-hmm. or or something like that. It's not like there it's a wide umbrella, but it's all heavy music. And I totally agree that that's super cool and that we can't afford to have like segregated clicks of of little micro scenes. Because Salt Lake can't support that. It's not that's not enough people at shows for it to be okay. Mm. Like, have to like realize that we're all going to have like our our preferences and stuff. But none of us, uh, you know, not very many people like just one very specific type of music only. Like, all of us listen to all kinds of different music, from heavy music to stuff that's completely not at all. Um, so yeah, getting more people around each other and also letting like the influence happen where it's like different genres and people are fans of multiple and they start a band and they'd like do something that's like, well, it's got this part of like this type of music and but we also do these things that are like more like this. I think that's super healthy for the scene as well to just have as much mix and influence as possible because Salt Lake City has that in it already. Like lots of bands that I was in are directly influenced by Salt Lake bands 
that I thought were super cool. Oh yeah. So I think that's a really good thing and a really important thing. And I think the same way that um, bands need to like come together and have like a unified scene, at least to an extent or to whatever's possible. I think that I also see like a mismatch between bands and then like promoters and venues and stuff too. And I see, I'm going to like, this is going to upset some people what I'm about to say, but I see a lot of bands that get frustrated with the situation and then they go and they call out publicly like uh, a venue or a promoter. And we're like, they're like, this, this venue didn't pay us and we're mad about that. Um, I think there's like a level of professionalism that bands need to understand a few basic things. Uh, one of them is if you're going to get paid, you make that clear when you sign up for the show that we require this much money to play. And if the venue or the promoter is not willing to pay that, then you don't play. Like the power is in the bands themselves. It's not the promoters have the power. The promoter is actually the one taking the only one taking any risk. And promoters, believe me, lose money as often as they make it. If they're successful, they make it a little bit more often than they lose it. But all the promoters here in town lose tons of money on shows all the time. And even if you're playing for free, you're not losing money. Um, like one recent thing that I'm seeing a lot is bands are like, uh, like it's fucked up for a venue to take a cut of merch like that. And it, and it is and that, and that I'm not saying that they're wrong at all. They're right. But there's a context and like, it's more complicated than that, than, than you understand. Like, mm-hmm. If you take uh, Metallica playing uh, an arena to 20,000 people and that promoter is putting up $500,000 to have them come and play, like that promoter is entitled to 20% of their merch sales, like to cover their ass, like 100%, no question. If you're just having like a small little show and locals, like, yeah, that's fucked up for them to get there and then be like, oh, hey, surprise. Like it all needs to be communicated ahead of time and people need to agree to what they agree to. I don't take a cut of merch because I want bands to make money that way. And I, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it for one thing. I don't want to count everyone's merch in and then do all the, all the calculations and take a cut and then count it all back out. Like, fuck that. That's not even fun. But like, the point is there's a circumstance where that is actually okay. And then there's a circumstance where that's fucked up. And it's the same thing with the band getting paid. If a, if a small band, like if you want to get paid, fucking draw people you'll get paid if you draw people yeah but if you're if my band was going to open for red fang i know damn well i'm not getting paid for that because that promoter is paying red fang and they're probably paying them a good amount and that promoter if the show doesn't go well enough that promoter pays it out of their own pocket and i'm not playing a show with a band like that to get paid either i'm i'm playing that show to play in front of their fans so, like, there's a circumstance where not getting paid is okay, and there's a circumstance where not getting paid is fucked up. And if a promoter says, you're going to make $200 at this show, and then they stiff you, then that's fucked up. But if you require payment, you make that clear, and you you figure it out ahead of time. And, like, there's, oh, there's a lot of local bands that play Crucial Fest for free, frankly. And, you know, it's not that I'm not putting any money into them. I buy a ton of hospitality. I get them alcohol and drinks. I promote the show and put thousands of dollars into the advertising and trying to get people there. I do all the logistics and stuff. And there's all these like unseen costs that like 
And nobody, by the way, nobody that played Crucial Best is like unhappy with anything because we discuss it all way ahead of time and everybody knows what to expect. But also the touring bands is who I give all the money to because they're the ones coming here. I want them to have a good, you know, taste of Salt Lake. And I think most of the bands understand that when they play for free, they're supporting those touring bands. And when I've been on the road in a band and local bands have done that for me, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's just multiple opinions and I'd really love to see bands and promoters and venues come together and not like be hating on each other for misunderstandings, but actually communicating about it and figuring it out. And like, you know, laying bands also need to like know what they're worth and ask for it and get it. Like, I, I think everyone's entitled to that. But realize that you have the power to say, no, I'm not going to play the show. Instead of doing that, I'm going to go throw my own show where it's all on my terms and it's going to be great. So I just think that there's, uh, when I see a band publicly calling out a venue, maybe one one time out of 10, I think they're justified. But a lot of times I'm just like, ew, I I would never touch that band because they're going to be a problem. So I know that's kind of like a controversial thing to say, but I just think that it needs to be said um, because there's some context and some like intricacy that when you make a blank a blanket statement and say this is bad, you're just not realizing that there might be situations where it's okay and situations where it's totally fucked up. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there's and, too many incidents like that where it's uh, especially in the social media culture where it's just like. One share could just ruin someone's entire reputation. Yeah, and most of the time, it's the artist is ruining their own reputation because every other promoter and venue is going to see that and be like, noted, this person's a problem. This person's <laughs> someone who, if you have a misunderstanding, is going to blow up and make, make a fit. All that does is make it so no one wants to work with you. Mm-hmm. So like, if you do need to solve something, solve it between you and the person that did it and not with everyone else watching. That's just ugly. I know. It's airing your dirty laundry for everyone to see, right? Yeah. But I want local bands to feel empowered and feel like they can ask for what they need out of a show. But I just, they need to understand that you do that in advance. You don't show up the day of the show with all these demands and think that they're going to be met because they're, I promise you, they're not. Like, you're, not, if you don't know you're getting paid, you're not getting paid. <laughs> If right. you don't know like <laughs> what time slot you're playing in, you're opening. Like if you don't know this ahead of time, it's not going to be what you want. And so a band needs to have a writer. A band needs to have a stage plot. A band needs to, to ask for money for what they need in order to feel okay about playing the show or else throw their own show and be in charge of it themselves. There are options that are diff- that are better than complaining and making a stink out of things where you you actually can like also look more professional if you're like here's here's what we need here's our stage plot you know this is how many people we typically draw to a show you know we need 200 bucks for that like that looks better too you're more likely to get booked if you have all that in place so um i don't want to ruffle any feathers but i kind of (laughs) do Well, I kind of like want the, the everyone to think about this, this a little bit. The people who will be listening to this, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know who that is. 
I mean, it's it's honestly, it's no one in particular. It really isn't. It's something that I see. It's real. This is really not calling anyone out. It's something I see pretty regularly. And also, strangely, it has nothing to do with Crucial Fest at all. Like, I don't deal with that at all with Crucial Fest because I work with professional bands and bands that are down to for the cause. And if a band's not getting paid, they understand where the pay is going. And it's not going to me, I promise. It's going to the headliner that I had to convince to come out here to make the show happen. Um, so I don't deal with that, but I just, I'm seeing a lot of it lately. Like it's more and more and more. That's like, I just, it's not going to be healthy for the scene, for the community in general, if we have, you know, because what does that do for a venue that just makes a venue be like, cool, well, you're boxed out and anyone like you is boxed out. And now we're just going to do this other, we're not going to do heavy music because all the heavy bands are being bitches or whatever. So we're just going to book indie rock and do that. And that's like what literally has happened to some of the, some of the agencies around here and some of the promoters, they like, they don't touch that stuff because they're, they don't want to deal with that. So think about it, be professional, get what you need out of a show and make it clear what you need. When you sign up for that show, tell them what you need and get it. And if they can't give it to you, then don't play. You have the power. The artist has the power completely. Mm -hmm. just like the worker has power over their bosses pretty much right that's right if they realized it and if they they work together and i'm not saying that nothing fucked up happens either i'm not saying that venues and promoters have never taken advantage of bands like absolutely that happens and it it does need to be called out when it happens but just like be very careful about making the decision to do that because you might end up just damaging your own chances more than anything else. Mm. So just be sure that you're in the right and like talk to people about it. Not just people that agree with you, but you know, talk to the promoter say, Hey, this is really fucked up. We had a deal for this and you, and you shorted me and that's not cool. And like, stand by that. Totally do that. Uh, but just like harsh vibes are not something anyone wants to be involved with. Like, like I see a band that's out there just being positive, talking about like cool things, how great this show was and find something positive about that. Those are the bands that I want to work with. Those are the bands that all promoters want to work with. Yeah. Those are people I like to be around. It's right. People who don't have yeah, this... life too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people who don't have this huge ego about them, just sort of touting themselves over, uh, you know, just the, self back patterns <laughs> and it's like you know what i don't care where you came from i don't care what you've done i mean i, I do to some extent but but it's like honestly it's not where you're coming from if you're coming into the scene it's about what you're putting into it yeah yeah seeing someone have a huge ego that can't even get 20 people out to a show is just embarrassing yeah. like work on that work on that and I and you'll make money. It, you'll and you'll get invited to play big shows if you have a draw. That should be your only concern: is like getting your music out there, hustling, hitting the street, like the band Narc. They're out there. They're like pounding the pavement. They like helped with this show. They're passing out flyers, putting up posters. They are going on tours. They're like hustling. They're making it happen. And that's gonna it's gonna work out for them because they do that and they have you know. They have a good attitude and they're they're great to work with. Uh, Last is another band that's like yeah. getting out there, get out, go, like go on a tour. Even if like even if you only play to five people a night, 
I, I've seen, I've played shows out of state with five people. And the next time I played there, there's been 40. And the next time there was 80. I've, I've seen that happen. So like, just worry about yourself and like work hard and you'll make money and you'll do great. You'll be happy. Don't like be so bitter because you're not successful. Like it's on you to be successful. (laughs) It's not a promoter or a venue's fault. If nobody likes your band. Yeah. And if no one likes your band, then just be like, okay, fine. Other people like it. Either do it for yourself and record music and whatever. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't mean to be so blunt with all this, but (laughs) the bands that go far are the bands that like work hard and have something unique to offer. And people will pick up on it eventually. Yeah. Don't feel like a someone. No one's standing in your way except for yourself. If, if yeah. you don't feel like going the way you wanted to, don't take it out on someone else. Just figure it out. Very true words spoken here. <laughs> I think I said I was done. I've continued to rant. I don't know why this is such a thing on my mind. I've just this past year has been kind of terrible for that. I've seen a lot of people called out that didn't deserve it. I've seen some people that did. But it's like bands, promoters, venues, whoever's running your sound, whoever's running your lights, whoever's managing the stage, the staff, the bartenders, you know, the bar owners, everyone is on the same team and needs to be on the same team. And occasionally someone might need to be called out, but more often than not, like someone just needs to have a conversation with someone else. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to leave it on. <laughs> Do it. Okay. You don't want to hear me go off on this anymore? I, I think kidding. we got plenty. <laughs> we'll save that for part two. Yeah. You, can take, you can take out half of that, probably. I'll leave that up to the uh, overlord here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Jerob. It's been, a, it's been an honor having you, having you on the show, talking about one of the most... Uh, like I said at the top of this uh, interview, such a staple in the local scene, uh, especially regarding uh, heavy music, and it's something that a lot of people look forward to do. Uh, yeah, to attending, look forward to every year. I know I do, and I is, do too. Yeah. I look forward to seeing everybody there. It's that's the most fun for me is just hanging out with everyone. And this year was amazing. Nothing but good vibes. No complaints from anyone. I think we crushed it, all of us together, and we'll, we'll do it again next year. Yep. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Once again, Jerome Bischoff, or Jerome Bischoff. I've heard it so many different ways. <laughs> My name is Jerome Alfred Bischoff. There you go. Jerome Bam. Alfred Bischoff of Crucial Fest. Thank you for joining us, Jerome. You bet. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. So, a man with a lot of words. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially in the last little part where he was just kind of, uh, <clears throat> as he mentioned, going on a rant a bit about the, <laughs> yeah, about the seed and about the uh, just some of the shortcomings with it, but also just all the passion that he has. Like you can sense that it's there. Really, uh, I really commend you, Jerem. You are a, you are a gem. Absolutely. In this scene. And go go support the festivals where you're at. And as he stated, I mean, people traveled in from Kansas City, and there might have been others. 
you put on a good fest, people will travel. You're bringing in cool bands. It's definitely a necessity. Uh, thank you, Jerem, for that. Mm-hmm. And Eric- don't fuck over the bands. <laughs> exactly. Eric, let's wrap the show up. Uh, what do you have to wrap the show up? I have a song from one of the first bands I ever saw live. Awesome. <laughs> this- yeah, this was a band that I saw in Murray Theater back in 2009 when Escape the Fate was on tour with their This War Is Ours album. Cool. With Attack Attack and with William Control, the side project of uh, Will Francis from Aiden, and Black Tide. Cool. <laughs> now, Black Tide, if you don't know them, they are like a culmination of bands like Iron Maiden and Metallica and uh, really just power metal in general. And especially Metallica, because they actually covered on their album, Light From Above, Hit The Lights. Awesome. (laughs) And when I saw them live, they played that song, and they also covered The Prowler by Iron Maiden. And yeah, I have fond memories of that show. During their set, that was the first time I stage-dived. And it was also the first time that I learned that when you stage-dived, not everybody will catch you. (laughs) Some people will just catch you by the fucking ankles, Mm. which happened to me. That was my first club show, nice. first mosh pit, first wall of death, first stage dive, first concert injury with a fat chick jumping off the stage and landing right on my nose, giving me whiplash in the process. So trial by fire, to say the least. But Black Tide, they were a fun band. And I still go back and listen to that album, at least. They've only had one other release since then. But, you know, it's, that's okay. <laughs> Their first album, I listened to it again. It's a lot of fun. It's fun 80s style uh, power metal, thrash metal, heavy metal. It's just, it just sounds so pure. And really, I got no other uh, best example to show you that other than their, the first song that you'll hear off of that record, Shockwave.
love the riffs in that song. I love that little, uh, after the first chorus, it goes back into the main riff and then it just has that that other little guitar bit, that It's just that classic metal that you can capture in a bottle. And it's, uh, yeah, I got nothing but nice things to say about that record. I wish the Black Tie was still around. I'd love to see them live again after, you know, fucking 13 years. <laughs> you know, but I doubt that's going to be happening anytime soon. But until then, you can still find their stuff on the iTunes and the Spotify and all the other, uh, all the other streaming platforms out there. Black Tide still kicks ass. At least that album does, in my opinion. Uh, speaking of uh, socials. <laughs> yep. Time to wrap up the show. Thanks, everybody, for joining. We've reached the end. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Music, Amazon, Music Player, FM, and SLCPunkCast.com. You can find the bands on Instagram at Botch underscore band, at The Red Bastards, at Slaves, at Crucial Fest, at Black Tide, and at SLC Punkcast. Eric, you're up. Let's see. My personal Instagram at scaryuncle underscore Eric underscore SLC. My band's Instagram is uh, for anonymous is at anonymous underscore band official. And for apathetics is at the apathetics SL uh, dot SLC. Uh, my Facebook for those bands at anonymous SLC and at the apathetics and Bandcamp's anonymous SLC and the apathetics My lead melodies podcast Instagram Instagram at lead melodies underscore podcast Facebook at lead.melodies.podcast.slc and follow SLC hardcore for all the flyers and upcoming events and all things related to the scene at SLC hardcore on Facebook. Bands are found on Facebook, Botch, at the Red Bastards, at the Elder Gods, at Vision NJHC, at Violators UK Punk, at Crucial Fest, and you can also go to CrucialFest.com, follow Crucial Fest, you can find out information on future Crucial Fests as well, Black Tide, at SLSU Punkcast, thanks Pat. And Violated Records and Creep Records. Eric, any final thoughts for a wrap-up show? Well, just this uh, quote that's been stuck in my head all day. The sum of the square root of an isosceles triangle is equal to the square root of its remaining side. That's a right triangle, you idiot! Play the fucking outro. (laughs)